Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim podcast episode 30. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other little tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. Uh, This episode will be released on Thursday, August 16th, 2018. I'm recording it on Wednesday, August 15th, 2018. So uh, make sure to visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links. Uh, If you want to follow along or just follow on social media. Uh, Yeah, as usual, again, that's pixelswim.com for that. As usual, we'll start with some weekly notes and feedback. And I believe last week I wasn't able to, I recorded on Tuesday last week. And so on Wednesday of last week, I was actually on the on episode two foot 256 of the AAWP Insight podcast, which is the all about Windows Phone podcast again. So that was my, oh gosh, um, seventh time on the podcast. So I appreciate Steve Litchfield having me on again. So we talked about different things, uh, you know, about uh, pass and Realarm, both of which I talked about on my podcast here, uh, apps that I like that are on that I use on Windows 10 mobile. Uh, so go check that episode out. It was a pretty good one. And uh, actually, Steve talked about his time with the Fitbit Versa, which is like the newer Fitbit smart watch fitness watch or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he talked about his experience with that because he's written a couple part series over on AAWP about that as well. On uh, Actually, I'm kind of looking uh, at getting a Fitbit. And it's mostly, or I should say, I'm, I I know somebody who has a Fitbit and uh, they don't use it. So I'm going trying to acquire it from them to test out and see how I like it, especially because there's, you know, there's Windows 10 mobile uh, support for it. So which I think is really cool uh, that kind of I think I said it on the AAWP podcast. It warms the heart that Fitbit is still supporting Windows 10, their UWP app. So I, I know they probably target it more towards the desktop version of Windows, but uh, it's nice because it you know it translates over to Windows 10 mobile. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get uh, Fitbit and try it out and report back on that. And yeah, that should be interesting. And so I also just want to say thank you to Frank Needhart for his feedback after the my last episode uh, regarding the Firefox extension that I was talking about, the open last tab Firefox extension. He very aptly <laughs> pointed out that control shift T on the keyboard um, Windows, I'm, uh, I'm assuming, obviously, and I guess that does the same thing. It'll open the last tab that you closed. Uh, which I did not know that shortcut. Um, It's kind of obvious because he also said, you know, control T to open a new tab. Control T is something that I use all day, every day, you know. So uh, naturally, it's nice to know that there's a, you know, kind of the opposite instead of opening a new tab, opening the last tab. So, yeah, thanks, Frank, for reaching out with the control shift T to open the last tab. And I noticed the difference between the functionality of that versus of that shortcut versus the plugin that I was mentioning is that the control shift T will open the tab that uh, your last tab and then it will also jump to the point on the page where you were. So it's like hitting the back button, you know, like uh, browsers do that have been doing that for a little while now where you go back or forward. If you hit back or forward, it'll jump to where you were on the page as well. So the extension for Firefox doesn't 
do that. It just reloads the page completely and starts you at the top like it's fresh loads. So yeah, uh, two different things, sort of. They but they o- both open the last tab. I'll probably end up <laughs> just using Control Shift T, uh, like Frank suggested, and and going forward. But I appreciate you, Frank, uh, for reaching out and for always leaving feedback. I appreciate that too. Uh, this week, I also here just a short story here. Uh, so I have the Moto X4. And I remember when I was researching it, uh, one of the features that I thought was kind of interesting, but wasn't sure if I would use it or not. Um, but I could see the merit in it is that you can connect up to four Bluetooth devices or speakers at once. And so I decided this last weekend on Saturday that I would try that out. So as I've talked about in the past, I have three Nokia MD12 Bluetooth speakers. And so they're just a little round speaker uh, that use bass resonance and then they're magnified. I loved them. Anyway, if you <laughs> I'll uh, put a link to that in the show notes to those speakers. But either way, I have three of them because I got because they were on sale. And so I, bu- I had one already and then I bought two. Uh, so there's like one in the kitchen, one in the bedroom, and then one in my uh, workroom here. And so I, you know, I decided to, to finally test this out because and just a little side note, I'm the Moto X4, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be holding on to it. I, I, it's a good device and I like it, but, you know, it's just the, the itch to kind of move on from it is in the back of my head. So anyway, either either way, before I, you know, was going to I there was a couple of points where I almost broke down and just posted it on Swappa for sale. But I wanted to try out this feature because I hadn't since I got the device. I've had it about almost two months now, uh, just a week. Yeah, just uh, yeah, a week short of two months. And so I decided to get all those MD12 Nokia speakers and I brought them all into my workspace here and and set them up next to each other (laughs) and turned them all on. And then I connected all of them. There's actually a sort of like stereo surround sound section in the Bluetooth area. I forget what it was called, but it was essentially a little section that I've actually never dealt with before where you can connect all the devices to your phone. So I turned all the speakers on into pairing. Well, I didn't have to put them in pairing mode because they I had already paired each individually. So they were already on the list of things there. So I paired them all up to the phone. It paired very quickly with all of them. I fired up some music and <laughs> yeah, it worked and with no latency between any of them. So they all played at the same time and very obviously very loud. You can the cool thing is, is that you can control each uh, one of the devices, each one of the speakers volume individually. So uh, naturally, I cranked them all up <laughs> and uh, turned up the main Bluetooth volume all the way up. So uh, it was interesting to <laughs> to see how loud everything got. But there was a few little things about it, about that experience that were kind of weird um, and maybe not that weird because, uh, well, the first issue was that my Wi-Fi turned off during this. Um, and I think part of that may be the fact that it also because I, I, I think I read in the tutorial on the phone that it would find devices on the network as well. Uh, to connect to so like if you have a network connected speaker or stereo or something like that but when i had these three speakers hooked up via bluetooth my wi-fi turned off 
and I couldn't I wasn't connected to Wi-Fi. I couldn't use Wi-Fi, which to me kind of defeated a little bit of the purpose. Maybe this is just a bug. I don't know if it's supposed to work that way, but uh, I kind of defeated a little bit of the purpose because if you're going to be playing, you know, music, streaming music, streaming something, uh, I don't I've talked about it in the past, but I don't have a, a large data plan. So that's uh, not really ideal to be streaming music or anything like that for periods of time. So that was kind of disappointing <laughs> that the Wi-Fi was not on with the speakers on. Luckily, I, you know, I have local music on my device, so I was able to play it through that. And then with that said, there were I, I, I think there were some stereo sound issues. I couldn't I couldn't pin I can't pinpoint exactly what it was. What I noticed was when that the music was playing. Uh, you know, because I knew the music that was playing and I knew all the, you know, the parts to it and all of the guitar parts and the drums and stuff like that. So uh, it, it may be a stereo issue, but there were some parts where there should have been sound uh, like, say, a guitar playing, but there wasn't. And so and all you could hear was and my only guess is that it's if you have any idea, let me know. But my only guess is that there was some sort of stereo issue like um as far as the feeds of the left and the right uh that's all i can guess because some of the the music that should have been playing wasn't you know some of the parts that should have been playing weren't so during like a part with a guitar there's you you could only hear the drum portion of the song so not the best experience overall i guess it was cool to hook it up and it was very easy to connect all the devices i didn't do it with four devices but three Uh, i imagine the fourth one would just be you know a matter of doing the same thing with the first three so yeah kind of an interesting experience Uh, i don't know i i can see how it would be useful you know especially uh, in my case, I would use it to, you know, if there was some sort of party or something going on, which is a rarity for me, uh, for me to be, you know, hosting the music at a party. But if if there was, say, uh, you could spread those Bluetooth speakers around, you know, the party so you get, you know, sound all over the place, which would be kind of my the only scenario I could think of for myself. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other scenarios for for this, but for me, that would be the biggest thing. So, yeah, if anybody knows and why any of those issues happen, uh, let me know. Because even after I disconnected everything, the Wi-Fi turned back on. Well, it showed that it was turned back on, but it didn't discover any networks. Uh, so essentially, it couldn't connect to anything. It didn't show any networks uh, in its scanning. And so I couldn't reconnect after I disconnected from all of the Bluetooth devices so I had to reboot the phone and that, I mean, that fixed it, but uh, it was just kind of strange. Uh, to me, that's buggy because it's not super intuitive uh, as far as the way that works. Uh, so, yeah, that was my experience with that. I thought I'd share my my experience connect. It's cool. It's a cool thing to be able to connect to multiple Bluetooth devices like that, especially three identical speakers, uh, you know, to kind of create that extra loud experience. <laughs> so it was cool, but with, not without its caveats. So. All right. So this week, I actually also uh, reached out to a developer of an app called Axis 360. And so what this app is, is 
my library, my local library, uh, which actually is part of our county library system, they offer they offer a lot of content now through this Axis 360 app. And so essentially what it is, what this app is, is it serves up, uh, you know, digital rights managed, DRM, con- you know, managed content um, of, phys- of books and audiobooks. books. Uh, so essentially textbooks, not textbooks like uh, school wise, but, you know, the text version of a book. And also it lets you check out audiobooks. And so essentially the app kind of manages the system for a library. I imagine a lot of libraries have are using this Axis 360 app. And so it works just like uh, it's, you know, essentially how it manages it is you log in using your library credentials and you can download books or check out books. So essentially the ma- the app is really there to manage the uh, the checkout dates. So it will, you know, automatically uncheck out, you know, so you can, it'll return the content. Uh, so you have a limited time with it. And also it's a, it's an audio player for the audiobooks, uh, which is you can download the entire audiobook to listen to offline through the app and also read the, the text version of books through the app as well. And so uh, the, the the issue that I was having, or uh, it's on my wife's phone, and she uses it actually quite a lot now to listen to audiobooks in the car. Uh, and then, I mean, obviously, the nice thing is, is that we, you know, we have our, our library cards. And so we, you know, essentially downloading and accessing all this content is, you know, free of charge. And so, but I noticed when I went to install it on my device recently uh, in the last couple of days here again, because I had it on another device, but then I never got around to putting it on the Moto X4. So I went to put it on there, you know, to check out the audiobook selection. But I noticed right up front that there were uh, app permissions that are one app permission that I was to me was quite shady. <laughs> and so wh- essentially the app asks for three different permissions and the first one is to access the phone uh, which made sense to me because it offers you know it it needs to pause and play during and after phone calls uh, it makes sense that it would need to you know have some sort of access to that and what's going on there so I you know that wasn't that didn't <laughs> that didn't surprise me that it needed that and then the next thing that it asked for with it needs access to the phone's storage which makes complete sense to download the audiobooks and the text version of books so uh, of course you know you got to give it access to storage for that but then the third and final one that made me reach out to the developer was it needed access to my contacts <laughs> and so that was a little strange to me I couldn't think of any scenario where this library checkout app uh, or content app needed would need my contacts information and so it, you know kind of raised a red flag for me and so I went to their website uh, the developers website and tried to read through all the terms of service and read through everything to see if it said what it does with that why it needs access to the contacts information uh because and i couldn't find any information so i decided to email 
them and ask why. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like this is a third party app that I'm guessing just works with library, you know, libraries across, you know, the U.S. or wherever to help them get their content in an, ac- an accessible way for their patrons. And so the the fact that it's a kind of a third party entity makes me think that they built it in part to, you know, uh, get access to everybody's contacts, you know, for other business reasons, <laughs> other more shady business reasons. So I reached out and 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 tried to find out why they needed the contact ac- access. And so essentially, I wrote to them asking why uh, that I understood the other permissions, uh, but I didn't understand the contacts permissions request. And so they did respond to me in about a a day later, um, which isn't too bad uh, considering uh, the size of the Android app, you know, community. And so they said, we are currently working on an update that removes the permissions in your question. Access 360 only uses information necessary for the app to function in a user expected manner. i.e. the user is getting a phone call or incoming message. The app doesn't use any information beyond this level of query. Unfortunately, you will have to allow the permissions for the time being until we release an update that I believe is scheduled for sometime this month, which is tentative. That's from the Access 360 support team, uh, which to me says, please install it for now so we can get your contact information. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to wait and see if there is an update that comes for this app uh, and see if it removes that permission because it clearly doesn't need access to your contact information in order to run, which is, you know, super shady. I'm sure, like I said, I bet you that's just part of their business model, which it's kind of sucks, you know, because it, you you would think that they, you just would hope <laughs> that that they wouldn't be so shady, but you know, it's it's probably just their business model. But like I said, I'm going to wait and see. Uh, I'm going to wait for an update for the app, and then see if it gets removed, and see if they're you know true to the what they're telling me here. So I'm not going to install it like they suggest because you install it. <laughs> and they've got your contacts if, they, if in fact that's what they're doing with it but i just wanted to mention this because i thought it was kind of interesting and i've been really trying to pay much close closer attention to all the app permissions and stuff and i just thought it was really weird that they asked for you know again it, it was just one of those okay i see why you need that i see why you need that but i don't see why you need that to run the app so yeah that was just kind of an interesting little thing that I thought I would share with everybody. I'll put a link to the Access 360 app install at your own peril. Um, I don't you know, it. not every library uses this. I know I think there's other apps uh, that that do this kind of thing that offer this kind of service for libraries. So our library just happened to use this one. So it's and it does work well. The app is really nice. My wife loves it, even though I'm sure they have all of her contacts now. But I really hope not. Access 360, looking at you. But uh, here's with fingers crossed that they're, you know, decent folk. Okay, so to go into my kind of main topics, my main topic here, I was having a little bit of trouble kind of 
coming up, you know, coming up with something that I wanted to talk at length about. So in episode 21, I started to go over my smartphone list, my or my not my smartphone, just my phone history list. And so I started with the first 10 uh, phones that I had. So I thought I'd go over the next 10. And I hopefully nobody's groaning out there about these next 10. But um, just this just to recap everything, uh, the first 10, I'll just go down the list real quick here. So the first one, or one phone one, was the Nokia 6110. Phone 2 was the Sony Ericsson T237. Phone 3 was the Sony Ericsson Z310A or Z310A for the for my friends in uh, not here in the US. Uh, the third phone or fourth phone was the HTC T-Mobile G1, which was the, my, the first Android phone, uh, my first smartphone. Uh, phone 5 was the Nokia 2330. Phone 6 was the Samsung Nexus S. Phone 7 was the Samsung Galaxy Nexus. Phone 8 was the HTC First. Phone 9 was the Nokia N9. And then Phone 10 was the HTC 8X. So yeah, that, those were my first 10. If, and if you want to check those out, check out the show notes page for episode 21 on Pixelswim.com if you want to go and see all of the specs and, and such for that. But yeah, so let's start on phone number 11. So this will be 11 through 20. There's uh, My list is up to 33 now, so <laughs> there will be another episode like this. I apologize in advance, but I think it's kind of interesting to kind of go back over how you got to where you are now with your smartphone device. And I always, I'm always interested in what other people have had in the past and where we overlap and stuff like that. So bear with me. There's, uh, this is kind of my Lumia, <laughs> Lumia era of my, of my smartphone buying. But so number 11 is the Nokia Lumia 620. So, uh, like I had said, the one before this was the HTC 8X, the 10 phones, but the 11th is the Lumia 620. Uh, so after the HTC 8X, I wanted to try a Lumia 620 or a Lumia phone because uh, I had enjoyed the Windows phone experience and I wanted to try a Lumia device. And so the 620 was very, very affordable at the time. And so I found one. I believe I bought it used. Uh, and I remember getting the device and it being so tiny. <laughs> and by today's standards, it will be it. It's tiny as what well. it's even tinier. But even back when I got it, which was not long after it was released, it was still a small device, but very easy to hold, very easy to navigate one handed. And really, the 620 is what kind of catapulted me into the the world of Windows Phone even more so than than when I had the HTC 8X. So it kind of catapulted me into the Lumia world and kind of you know, the way that Windows Phone at the time was kind of at its at its fullest was on a Lumia device. And so, uh, yeah, I got the Lumia 620. I remember taking it on a road trip and having those offline maps. And uh, it's like a road trip to a wedding that was, you know, a couple hours away. And uh, I remember the maps working great. I remember taking, you know, a few pictures, uh, the low light was terrible, you know, but the audio capture on the 620 was actually very good. So I remember taking a couple of videos and being impressed by that. And that's kind of the, one of the things that was touted about it. 
But and after I had the Lumia 620, I went on to the 12th device that I had, which I kind of saw as, you know, I'm going to upgrade to a bigger, better Lumia device. And so I, I got the Nokia Lumia 820, which was a really great device as well. It took really great photos. Um, and I remember that there was an optional wireless charging back that I had that I came came with it. It was on the device was on AT&T over here in the US. Uh, so I got an AT&T unlocked version. So I was able to use it on my service at the time. And so uh, that, yeah, the A20, Lumia A20, really cool device. I, I do remember the screen was a bit bigger than was bigger than the 620. But I do remember the resolution really wasn't. And so it wasn't the sharpest display on the A20. Uh, but it was very clear. Uh, it had the super clear black display. So it was really it was a good display. I just could have used, you know, a bit higher resolution to make it even better. And I remember that the glass on the front scratching quite easily. I remember getting a scratch on it and just <laughs> being like, ah, you know what? Dang. I, I anyway. Yeah, that's it's sad. But that's what I remember about the 820. But I really like that device. Uh, I remember taking it out one day for you know and took a lot of photos with it and they came out really nice so i really enjoyed the 820 quite a bit i'm not sure what happened to it after that honestly uh if i had sold it off or not but which brings me to another lumia phone my 13th device which was the nokia lumia 635 and so what kind of drew me to the 635 uh it was you know it was at the time uh it was on t-mobile over here in the u.s there was a white version i think what drew me to it was just this super basic design it was kind of an updated uh 521 ish device uh in that it had no camera flash and it was just super bare bones uh as far as windows devices go but i thought it was just a nice little device and i've actually i actually ended up buying it twice <laughs> in, in all my adventures here but um it was just so cheap and and the second time it was even you know cheaper um it was i think it was under a hundred dollars when i got it originally and so around when it came out it that was a you know really really good price for that uh and it, you know the camera really wasn't great and you know it suffered <laughs> all over the place but um it was just uh you know as far as cheap lumia devices go it was it was decent device you know just and like all the other devices before you know the removable battery and everything but i think the biggest thing that kind of kept me from using it was the fact that it the camera wasn't that great and it didn't have a flash you know on the back i used the flash like quite a bit uh, during that time, you know, taking the dog out and stuff like that at night. So uh, it was kind of it always I was always apprehensive to use it as my main device. So but moving on during that time, I I think I had these simultaneously. Number 14 was the Motorola Moto G second generation. Uh, this is back in 2014. And the big thing about this was uh, this was the successor to the super popular Moto G, original Moto G, which kind of changed. I mean, you could say arguably that it changed the game in the Android world because it was a cheap Android device, but it ran super well and it was, you know, it was a great user experience. And so the, that was the first gen. And so the second gen brought a few added on top of that so it ran super great software i think it had 
who I want to say it came out with KitKat. I'm not sure, though, but I think it was uh, it did go up to Lollipop after that. But um, it had stereo speakers on it. And so this was my first experience with stereo speakers on any device. And so it was really nice. They were nice. I mean, uh, for a budget device, it was nice. And so what that also added over the original Moto G was SD card support, which I which part of why I never really went with the original Moto G was the storage options were kind of small on us. And I know I still do carry around a music collection. So I think it it supported uh, 32 gigabyte up to 32 gigabyte SD cards. It was a just a good media device. And, uh, you know, the camera really wasn't that great on it. It took decent shots, but you had to keep very still uh, with it. Uh, The, you know, a lot of trouble with blurring and not focusing with that camera. I remember it wasn't that great. My wife had one as well. I had the black one. She had the white one. Uh, And so it served us well for a while. I mean, it was like I said, the stereo speakers and the media on it were really nice. which actually kind of led me to the 15th device on my list, which was the HTC One Remix. <laughs> and so this is similar to the HTC One Mini 2. Uh, this one had this had stereo speakers, too. So if you think of the HTC One original device, I think it's the uh, M7 is what they called it, what you can find it as now. It was kind of the smaller version of this i think it only came out on verizon here in the u.s uh this remix the one that they called the remix Uh, and so it essentially was a smaller version of the htc one now that one i remember definitely being on kitkat and having htc sense software on it and uh i remember the speakers being really good but the the problem with that device and i didn't hang out to it for super long was because it was a verizon device and even though it was technically quote unquote unlocked it didn't work super well with uh my sim card and so it was difficult to change any apn you couldn't change any apn settings and so and actually around this time or i should say it's this phone that uh kind of got me onto textra the Textra app, which is an SMS MMS app, uh, because in Textra, you can actually set uh, manually set your APN settings for your MMS in, in Textra separately uh, from the system, which is a great feature. <laughs> I definitely suggest uh, Textra trying that out if you want kind of a more full featured SMS MMS app. So the, it's it's one of the best on Android, in my opinion, and it's, it has been for a long time. Uh, the options on it are just endless. But anyway, the, yeah, I couldn't really use the device too long because of the APN issues. And it just, you know, it just didn't work out super well. But uh, that makes that moves me on to my next uh, Lumia and next Lumia device. So my next device, which happened to be a Lumia, the 16th one on my list is the Microsoft Lumia 640. And now this was definitely one of my favorite Lumia devices. Uh, it was cheap. It was decently sized. Uh, the camera was halfway decent. Um, it did just those cheap Lumias really struggled in low light to get. I mean, they were just really bad in low light. So there was, you know, I wasn't expecting much, but it, it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of everything I wanted the 635 to be. Uh, but the 640, yeah, I came out specific, uh, 
I specifically got the T-Mobile version here in the US. So I used that device for probably a year um, as my main device. Um, this is back when you could still really kind of do that with a Lumia device. So uh, yeah, it was a really nice device. Uh, I, it had the flash, it had SD storage, you know, uh, d a really nice screen, um, you know, had all the, the glance screen, double tap to wake and, you know, just the Windows Phone 8.1 ran like a dream on it. I think it was on denim was where it kind of ended off. Uh, but yeah, it was really a really just a great all around cheaper Lumia device. And during this time, uh, moving to the 17th phone on my list, the Nokia Lumia 810, which I owned for uh, like a hot second. <laughs> yeah, the Lumia 810, there was a T-Mobile version here in the US, and it just, I was not impressed with the build quality of that. That's one of the few Lumias, I think, that I did not like the build quality of it. Uh, and speaking of which, that Lumia 640, that was the first Microsoft branded Lumia device that I had. I think it may have been the first Microsoft branded Lumia device in general. All right, so the next phone was the uh, number 18 on my list is the LG G2. So this is my first ever LG smartphone or phone in general. Uh, yeah, the G2, I think we're up to the G7 now. So a little bit, <laughs> a little bit way back. I got it. I remember getting it used off of eBay. Uh, I really liked that device. Uh, I thought the LG interface was kind of weird and not really that great. But for some reason, it grew on me. I remember... Uh, when I had the LG G2. Uh, the thing that happened with that one, uh, I wanted to keep using it. You know, the standby time was really great on it. Uh, and just had nice, a lot of nice features. Um, but what happened with that one was the processor on it, which I think it was the uh, 800 or 801 Snapdragon. It got really hot all the time <laughs> if you used overused it. And so what happened, I think, was is I... Uh, I factory reset it one time, uh, not too long after I got it, just to kind of reset up everything. But I also left it plugged into charge at the same time. And so it got hot. And essentially, part of the display on it uh, stopped working. It was <laughs> a strip across the display stopped working. Uh, so uh, you could still use it. But when you, you know, obviously, when you hit those parts of the display, I would say it's probably about a half inch strip horizontally uh, right around the top half of the screen, um, probably right in front of the processor, I imagine, was just not responsive to touch. And so I actually did try to replace the screen on it. Uh, it wasn't too difficult to do, but the screen that I got was not very good. Um, it didn't offer uh, the LG. It had uh, double tap to wake. Uh, the LG G2 did not the screen. After I put the screen in, there was no double tap to wake and and different stuff. Like mostly that was kind of the biggest bummer. And then it just clearly wasn't the same quality type display. So I had to move on from that one. Um, and so during the time, I really wanted a Motorola phone or I should say an Android phone, not a Motorola, but that does lead me into my the 19th phone on my list and my favorite phone that I've talked about in the past of all time, the Motorola Moto G third generation back in 2015. I didn't, I think I got it in 2016, but uh, it hadn't been out too long, I don't believe. But that one was my favorite device ever. <laughs> it just had a nice 
camera, very serviceable camera, uh, much better than all the other Moto phones that I had had. And uh, it just worked well. Uh, it was the two gigabytes of RAM and 16 gigabytes of storage version of that because there was actually an eight gigabyte and I believe one gig of RAM version uh, that I was going to steer clear of because I figured it wouldn't really add much value. <laughs> uh, or I should say it, it would probably be a much worse experience with that. So, I, you know, to upgrade, I bought the Motorola G third gen brand new. I think it was $199 at the time. So I still have it, still have that device and debate whether or not I want to just stick with that because it still works and battery life isn't completely horrible. It probably could use replacing the battery. Uh, but it, it, the one thing with that one is that the SD car storage SD card storage uh, is only 32 gigabytes. That's the max on it. I haven't tried putting anything else bigger in it. I've read that it may work, but I'm not sure. But I've also in the past, I've I did root or I should say I unlocked the bootloader and installed lineage OS on the Moto G third gen. Uh, so essentially you can have it with Android 7.1 or NuGet on it if you want, uh, which adds all those features and it runs super well. Uh, for some reason, I just like the factory image for it, uh, which I reinstalled on it. So it, it runs Android 6.0 uh, Marshmallow, but you know it, it runs it very, very smoothly, uh, more smoothly than the Lineage. Uh, not to say that Lineage is bad on it, but uh, it's a good I don't know I just that it's just my favorite device that Motorola uh, the third gen uh, again I've talked about it in the past I won't go too much in depth on it right now uh, and all of these devices will be in the show notes uh, linked to their spec pages either on GSM arena or wherever I can find them uh, probably most likely GSM arena so uh, yeah the Moto G third gen was the 19th device and then for today the last one that I'll talk about and this kind of goes back to the LG G2 is I wanted to was looking at other LG devices and I got the LG G stylo uh, which was the first in the in LG's stylo line and so this was a kind of a low-end device uh, well low to mid device it was kind of in the same category as the Moto G third generation uh, but it had a bigger screen, I believe it was 5.5, and it had a stylo, uh, or a stylo, <laughs> it had a stylus, uh, you know, in, in it. So the Note series was kind of the, uh, you know, around around that time, and so this was LG's kind of budget response to it, and it, even these days, we're up to the stylo 4 now which just recently came out actually looks like a nice device, uh, which I've looked at recently. Uh, but yeah, this it was ultimately it just turned, you know, at the time it was just too big, <laughs> too big of a device for me. So I decided to move on from it. But I remember liking it. It had the same interface as the G2. It actually was a little bit better because it ran Marshmallow at the time. Uh, the G2 that I had, the LG G2 was, uh, I believe, on Lollipop and not uh that yeah that's the other thing about the g2 is that it had the version of lollipop with the memory leak <laughs> uh in it if i don't know if anybody remembers that fiasco but essentially the phone would slow down uh after being on for a little while because it there was problems with the memory uh a memory leak and so uh the stylo was kind of a you know a budget version of the g2 with 
updated software. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I liked the having the stylus on there. I didn't use it a ton, but um, it was just a nice little device. It looked a lot like the LG G4, which I think came out around the same time. Uh, it looked a lot like that device. Uh, it had the buttons on the back, the power and the volume buttons on the back under the camera and uh, the kind of that what LG was going with for a little while there. So uh, yeah, that's number 20 on the list. So that's 11 through 20. I <laughs> uh, thought I'd go over those. Like I said, I enjoy doing that. Um, or I enjoy phone history stuff. So all right. So those again, that's my 11 through 20. Uh, I'll, I'll go over the rest of the list some other day. <laughs> but I thought, hey, and also it's episode 30. So why not, you know, kind of go into my history a little bit more. I'm trying to, you know, make sure I do that every once in a while. So uh, let me know if any of your devices cross over with any of what I talked about today. I know that some of the Lumias are definitely going to be in a lot of people's past and history. So just let me know how you liked. If you had these devices, just let me know if you liked them. So jump over to pixelswim.com in the show notes for this episode and just, you know, sound off <laughs> or whatever. So, um, yeah, um, I'm just going to kind of go into the uh, wrap up and go into the conclusion for today. But I also wanted to go over just a couple other things, just a couple of uh, show uh, things, <laughs> Pixel Swim podcast things specifically. Um, I know Whatever Works did t-shirts recently. Um, and I was wondering, and just everybody let me know if you would at all, if anybody out there would be interested in a Pixel Swim podcast t-shirt. So I probably can set that up on Teespring and you can order if you would like. But uh, yeah, totally. If if anybody responds, <laughs> then I'll, I'll maybe I'll just, you know, think about putting together, you know, some t-shirts and designs or, you know, uh, if you saw the whatever works stuff, uh, they did like mugs and stickers and stuff like that. So I could easily set that stuff up. So let me know if you're interested. I don't want to put too much into it. If nobody's, you know, if it's just going to sit out there for all of eternity, uh, nobody will order anything. But um, I also wanted to kind of put a I, I realized I hadn't done this, that if you ever want a guest on the podcast, feel free to reach out uh, via there, there's a contact form on pixelswim.com that you can use. You can email me at steve at pixelswim.com. Uh, just feel free to reach out if you ever feel like you want a guest on the, the podcast and don't feel like it has to be about phones. If you want to talk about uh, design uh, or anything like that or, you know, just go through the Pixel Swim website and, uh, you know, if there's ever a topic that you come across on there or if there's anything you want to talk about, I'd be happy to take requests for guests. So, yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy, folks. Um, and also uh, kind of what I was just mentioning there, if anybody has any topics that they uh, would like me to talk about, uh, just let me know. Uh, shoot me an email, steve at pixelswim.com, like I said, or there's a contact form on the website or just uh you can hit me up on twitter at pixel swim or google plus uh not sure what the link is there but um if you go to pixelswim.com there's tons of ways on there to get in contact with me so yeah feel free to shoot any topics over if you want me to cover them and uh it always helps me out sometimes it can be difficult to <laughs> come up with something every week to talk about but uh, you know i do my absolute best but i also you know if there's other things that you want me to dive into just let me know uh this is the pixel swim after all <laughs> anyway let's just wrap things up again pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links and 
thank you for tuning in to episode 30. That's a big 3-0. Uh, it's no longer, the show's no longer in its 20s. It's got to get real with itself and start saving for retirement. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great uh, night or morning or evening or, yeah, let's go with fourth meal. Have a great fourth meal, everybody. And thanks again and Godspeed. <laughs>